Welcome to The Brave Table. I'm your host, Dr. Neetha Bhushan, and this is your oasis for strengthening your mental and emotional fitness, no matter what life tosses your way. I am so excited you're here. Just like you, I wear many hats. I'm a former dentist turned author and serial entrepreneur, currently a mom of two, and a recovering perfectionist. Every week, we'll navigate brave conversations to support your evolution at every season and stage of your life. Raw and unfiltered, we'll explore all the feels as we unpack life's unpredictable moments, from the playful to the painful, the magical and the messy, and everything in between this epic human experience. You ready? Let's dive in. Hello there, Brave Table fam. Welcome, welcome to another episode of The Brave Table. I'm your host, Dr. Neetha, and this is your destination, your oasis for being just a little bit more brave in your conversations, in your actions, and in your life. And today we're talking about transforming loss and big trauma into fuel for kindness. Now, sometimes when you're deep in the trenches of loss, depression, and grief, it's kind of hard to see yourself out of it. You know, everything becomes blurry and the next thing you know, you're just going through the motions, unaware of how quickly you may be spiraling out of control. But if you're lucky, you'll have quality friends around you who will intervene and remind you of who you are. Shout out to those friends who have been through the trenches with you and That's what happened to today's Brave Table guest, Mike Kim, and it inspired him to launch an entire community that fosters pure connection through storytelling. Now, in-person events, and he also does partnerships and collaborations. And Mike is a Korean-American activist, an entrepreneur who founded the anti-racism pro-kindness organization called Some Neat Place. In this chat, he opens up to me about his challenging past. And I mean, the man has been through loss, cancer, big T trauma, and his own mother's battle with cancer and how he used his own traumas to fuel to create a kinder and more compassionate world. Now, he is the living example of the power of having brave conversations, especially when it is tough, especially if you have ever had thoughts of suicidal ideation or have battled depression. Now, in this conversation, we will talk about some of the reasons why we need to start getting honest with ourselves and the beauty of vulnerability, how to heal your past family traumas, and the value of creating community and maintaining quality friendships. And also, we're going to dive into emotional health and why it's such a stigma in the Asian community and how it affects men in particular. And finally, finding your worth and knowing that you aren't broken no matter what. So without further ado, let's welcome Mike Kim sitting with us at the Brave Table. Mike Kim, welcome to the Brave Table. Thank you for having me. How are you doing? I'm great. Just living the Austin life right now and it's a little hot, but then, you know, I can't complain. Oh my gosh. You're in Austin right now? I'm in Austin right now. Yeah. Oh my God. I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been straddling LA and Austin back and forth. No way. Oh my gosh. We could have totally done this in person. I had no idea. Wait, were you in Austin? Yeah. I live in Austin. Are you serious? Yeah. What the heck? (laughs) What? Crazy. Oh my goodness. That is too funny. Oh, that's too funny. Well, what? 
I feel like, wow. Okay. What has brought you to Austin? Um, well, it's the family that brought me here. And, you know, it was a series of traumatic events. But right now, uh, my brother moved away from Austin to Colorado. And then my mom's still here. And I was trying to straddle LA and, and go to Austin when I could. But then since my brother moved, I needed to take care of my mother. She still has, you know, stage four cancer, mm. still dealing with the nine fractures in her back. And she needs a caretaker. And slowly as she gets older, she's only speaking Korean. I don't know oh if that's by gosh. choice or yeah. it's like, but I have to translate and, and be there, read the bills, all these things. So, you know, I'm, I've been blessed. Though. I'm having so much fun with my mom at this stage. It's been incredible. Wow. And well, I guess when I unpack that there though, because it seems like you kind of unloaded a lot of information. <laughs> so taking care of your mom going through stage four cancer. Wow. Also, it seems like she had a fall as well. Yeah, we don't quite know where she got the fractures and it almost started being like a domino effect. And mm. I think she fell, something happened or I think she was mentioning she was trying to lift something heavy and then she felt the pain and pinch in her back. She ignored it. Like every other Korean woman that I know just ignores it and then carries on. And then ultimately, we, when we did a scan on her back, I think she had originally six compound fractures. So we had to go in, but then she was doing chemo at the time. So it's like, which one do you do? Oh and my so, gosh. So we had to put pause on her back surgery and then until she went through the chemo round, which she's on number 38 right now. Oh, um, wow. So it's, it's been a season for her, but um, she still smiles, you know, through all of it. Care that she has for me. And it's like pushing her forward to constantly just show up for her. Yeah, when I'm I mean, supposed to be here for her, you know, she's incredible. That is just remarkable. I mean, shout out to you and everyone that's listening who kind of like the tables have turned where we are caretaking for our elderly parents and family members. And it's the stubbornness of the Asian super woman because <laughs> I've had many of those who I've caretaken for, including my mother and my mama Chi, who was my grandmother's sister and my Lola. And they are just relentless and resilient AF. And it is so remarkable because their pain threshold is so high. Like I never heard my mom complain. You know, Mm. it was only through her eyes. You know, she battled her cancer journey for six years. And boy, those were some really aching years. How's that process been? And, you know, getting into your even backstory of kind of, I guess we can go back and tell us your big backstory because I want to get us to like kind of this full circle moment of where you are today, right now with your mom. So we'll come back to your mom in a second. Well, sorry that you went through that too. Just knowing just day to day how much that takes out of me sometimes emotionally and for you to be there for six years, uh, that's that's a testament to you too. So sorry for your loss. And at the same time, there's a lot of power in how you stand. And I just, I know it. And so I can, I feel it. You know, when you said six years, like, oh man, that's a long time. But for me, I think it's the journey actually started when I was a kid. When I really think back as to how did I get here? And, you know, through a lot of bullying, my dad being not the best father, just being, you know, really addicted to alcohol and cigarettes and trying to find his way through PTSD, which wasn't diagnosed to him after the Vietnam War and was just 
showing up the way he knew how to show up and going through that, you know, you kind of normalize what relationships look like and how fathers show up for people. And this is the view that I had. I didn't know how to process back then. I didn't know what emotional intelligence was back then either. And so fast forwarding to about uh, roughly 2016, 2017, when I went through probably one of the hardest moments of just being something stripped away from you and my identity of being a husband, a partner, a best friend, and Mm-hmm. Someone that you looked at, like they can't hurt you. And then mm-hmm. they're the ones that hurt you the most. And, you know, and there's that story of how I just going through a divorce was, it wasn't just a divorce for me. It was my identity that was taken away and trying to figure out why, why me, this victim mentality going through this cycle of grief. And that's what started this movement for me specifically. And then just understanding what am I even feeling? It, it feels really dark right now. And mm-hmm. it feels like the lights are turning off and I don't know how to turn it back on. So that depression started hitting and I started thinking, is this what depression really feels like? I didn't know. And Mike, I want to kind of unpack that because I I feel like, you know, if people are in the grips of depression and despair, and a lot of times you don't know you're in that well until you're kind of like on the other side of it or that you've experienced a higher emotion Mm -hmm. that's like happiness or joy or, you know, just like the full sheer contrast. And you're like, whoa, I was in a dark place. And sometimes you kind of know that you're in a dark place, but you just don't know how low and what that wallowing kind of like feeling looks like unless you've experienced the other side. Was that like that for you? Or how did you know that it was, you know, depression? I think it took my friend calling me out because I didn't know. I just knew that it was hard to get up in the morning. I didn't want to go to work. I had my business at the time. So I was just like, you know what? I'm I'm taking a little break. I need to reorganize. And I made up all these excuses. And mm-hmm. I was wondering like, okay, I feel like an imposter syndrome right now because I'm telling all these lies now. It's like, oh, I'm okay when I know I'm not. And I'll cry randomly in the morning and just, I don't know why it just starts and like sit there. And then I go through this weird cycle of like, I'm angry at her and, and I'm just, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how this day is going to end out. I just know that I'm, I want to be around people that love me and trying to validate that I'm worth something, you know, like my friends see me and they validate me. And so I was looking for that externally and I was screwing up with work a little, you know, it's like falling off. I was like, oh man, I'm, my identity's shaking there too. I'm not a good husband. I'm not a good partner. Something's off there. And then I started realizing, okay, it's hard for me to get up. And then my friend told me, he was actually scared to tell me. Like, hey, mm. don't think this the wrong way. Don't get mad. And right when he said that, I already started getting mad because I knew where I was going to go. Oh, wow. and, and he said, hey, we're worried about you. And, you know, so he had like, an intervention. Yeah. He was like, we're, I said, you know, and I took that so personal. I was like, what, you guys are talking about me? Mm. And I said, there's nothing wrong with me. This is normal. I just, I'm going through a divorce. I'm going to want to go out. Like, yeah, we've just been noticing you've been going on a lot. And you know, we're, we're worried, man. We're here for you. And I was mad for a good five minutes and just mm. felt really betrayed. You guys are talking bad about me and all these stories that I made up in my head. And then he started crying, like cheering mm. up. I was like, okay, well, this is coming from a loving place. Am I doing wrong things? And mm. that's when I noticed I'm going out almost every day. And there's a pain there. I don't know what it is. It's like very numb. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't motivated to do anything. I wasn't driven like I was used to. I was I'd go work out every day and I was falling off there. I was losing weight because I wasn't eating. I was like, okay, there's check boxes. I'm spiraling out of control. I'm getting depressed. I need to do something. And then another good friend of mine said, hey, there's a therapist here. 
They're really cool. They maybe you should try looking into it. And I had talked to people before, but this person, when I first met him, he looked like me. I'm like, well, I don't have any tattoos, but then he'll fully sleeve. I felt like, okay, I think he gets me. And after so you found that, you found your person yeah. in in that therapist. Because yeah. I feel like a lot of times when you're searching for therapists, it's it's really like a it's a dating game. Like you yeah. wanna really feel seen by this person and that this person's going to kind of hold you in the most vulnerable aspects of your life and And your life shares. And sometimes it's not going to be that first therapist that you meet or the second or the third. So lucky for you that you were able to find that. Yeah. And what you said too was spot on. My friend saying that to me and calling me out, it made me feel seen. It made me feel like, well, you can see me in my shattered state, but I couldn't even look in the mirror because when I did look in the mirror, I did see like shattered glass. I couldn't look at myself. And that's when I knew when you're asking that question, like, how did you know you were in it? It was there. And I was like, oh, wow. I, and it's like crying in front of the mirror. It's like, oh man, I'm not doing well. Like something hurts so bad inside. I can't even explain it, but it's like the gut feeling of just, I, you know, there's something wrong. And that's when I, I, I need some help. I need to, let me go search for something because I'm lost at the point. Because mm, I'm lost. Yeah, I feel like so many people can really relate to just that moment of just the awareness of like, I'm lost, that I can't do it anymore. You know, because there is this period where, you know, before your friend called you out, which is so beautiful, you know, you were doing your own thing and numbing, which looked like going out and alcohol and all of the things, which a lot of us do in different ways, working, dating people who are not Mm -hmm. really worth our time, self-sabotaging while, you know, doing a lot of the other vices, drugs, alcohol, I mean, you name it, social media, et cetera, the list goes on. But for you to then get into that defense mode, which we all do. It's kind of like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be attacked here. So my ego is going to really try to protect me. But then for you to then kind of just unravel so beautifully and so vulnerably with your friend, that that's so powerful to have that then awareness around it. Yeah, thanks for saying that. And I think I was holding on to my last bit of identity. I'm not all the way broken. You know, it's like, I'm not that bad. And it's all holding on to this, this idea that I'm working through it. It's all good. And like, things are going to be cool. Don't worry about it. And, but I was screaming for someone to see me, you know, and I needed help. I just didn't even know how to ask for it. And mm. I read all these books. I read like doing podcasts back then too. I was like, I know EQ. I know where I'm at. It's all good. Like I'll get through this, but you don't know what you don't know. And once you stop learning, it's when, you know, you get stuck. And I got stuck right there and I needed someone to pull me out, which he did. You know, the beautiful thing is that he he's not a doctor like, you, like yourself. He's just a friend that cared and gave a shit about me. And it's like, mm-hmm. hey, I'm worried about it. That's all it took. And he confronted it knowing that I'm going to get mad. And that's how much he loved me and was able to go through that. And I'm sure I told him after that, it must have been kind of frightening for you too. And right. like, oh, he's gonna, here comes Mike, he's going to poke out and then he's going to be mad at me and might lose our friendship. But he means more to me than our friendship at this point because I do love him. And I thought that was really so big for him. 
And that's so brave. And I want to just kind of like illustrate that, you know, for you Brave Table fam, like for everybody listening, how powerful is that to have somebody that is so convicted and loves you so much that they're willing to risk you getting mad. They're willing to risk you not talking to them ever because you love them so much to call them forward for their highest good and their highest self too, you know? I mean, that's so beautiful. And and so many people don't do that. They don't have that bravery to say, okay, I love our friendship so much, or I see that that's not you. Like you could be much better, but right now what is happening? And we then pull back or we get scared or get afraid of confrontation that we hold a lot of that in us. But then the person on the receiving end is probably desperately begging to say, hey, hey, somebody see me, somebody save me. And that is that, you know, kind of the rupture of the conversation that needs to happen in order for the healing to really take place. And it's just such a beautiful example of the trust that your friend had in you to really call you forward. And a lot of times, even for myself, I owe it to my girlfriend right before I was about to realize I was in the suckiest situation, which was a marriage that I was in and trying to hold on and trying to make everything perfect. But I was lying through my teeth and she knew it. And all she had to say was, Nita, you don't have to live like this. You know, and it takes really courageous and brave friends of ours and even yourselves to say, okay, I'm going to risk this. They might get mad. They might not ever talk to me again. And I know some of us probably have had those situations before, but wow, to have that, that's true yeah. friendship right there. Perfectly summed up. It's the way I would have summed it up too. And I kind of want to dive deeper into then what were some of the things, because you already were in your own growth pattern. You were already diving into growth. And so like you said, you were stuck in this place. So then what were some of the things that helped you kind of move from that time of of depression or did it even get worse after that point? It went up and down. It's a great question. It went up and down in cycles. And even when I was in the heat of my therapy sessions. And the, the biggest thing that really, I, it's so loud to me still, a beautiful person, my therapist, Scott. And he, at that point, I remember I was going three times a week, hour sessions, hanging out of pocket. I just didn't care anymore because it was, it was healing me. It was letting me dig really deep and just figure out where did all this trauma come from? And it wasn't just my ex. She was a wonderful person, you know, and and I told her, um, even after the fact, when we forgave each other, we said, you know, I'm sorry too. It's like, she gave me a lot of memories, you know, like a beautiful memories of seven years and being together. And she showed me what, when someone genuinely cares about you, this is what it looks like. And then I remember, I think years later, she told me, you show me when someone loves you, what that true love looks like. And I was like, wow, that's a crazy compliment coming from you, but I'll take it. But it was my therapist when I was just going up and down, I couldn't get out. And there's still those dark days that I couldn't figure out how to turn the lights on. And I told him, Hey, I'm having a really bad day. Can you see me as an emergency? I was like, um, I can't. I said, it's an emergency, please. And it's like, he saw me because I was just whirling and swiveling in my thoughts and he saw me. And, and I told him, I need you to fix me, like dig in there. I'm broken. I'm shattered. Go in there. Tell me where to go. And he just grabbed me and said, he looked me dead in the eyes and I had this piercing eyes too and said, you're not broken. You're perfect the way you are. We're going to get through this together. I got you. I got your back. Do you understand that you're, you're perfect the way you are? He kept saying it. 
And then just the flood works that came out. And it was just the release of my identity, this, this feeling of not being worthy, not being a good friend, not being a good son. This is why my dad beat me. It's like all these things just flooded that came out. And I realized at that moment, I'm not broken. You know, it's like I'm, I'm worth something. And this guy in front of me, he thinks that I'm worth something too. And I'll build on that. And then that's what started taking me out of that darkness. Like, and just slowly, one thing at a time, it's just like, I feel good today. And just building on that, like Legos, you know, it's like you're really figuring out this is a long game. I'm going to be doing this until I die. And how do I start seeing myself differently? And it started there. But I owe him everything for that because that was something so beautiful, so poetic to me. It's like it should be like a movie scene, like grabbing my shoulders like you're, you're not broken. And that saved my life, I feel like literally saved Hello there, loves. I just wanted to take a quick moment here. As you've all heard me talk about navigating intense, tough, and sometimes just sucky human moments before. Now, as the queen of grit and resilience, there are those situations in life that just remind us that despite our best efforts, that life has its own plan sometimes. And honestly, we're just human at the end of the day. Nope, we can't control it all. And if you feel like you're always trying to, I see you, love. As a recovering type A perfectionist, I too was once needing to feel certain and in control about just about everything because honestly, Everything around me was just falling apart. And the thought of any uncertainty would literally heighten my anxiety levels. So I totally get it if you are the type who feels the need to have a handle on everything, but it's just not possible. So what do you do? What I've discovered is that although you can't control what life tosses your way, you can control how you bounce back from the suck. So to help you out, I put together a super fun quiz that will help you find out your audacious, resilient archetype is. How resilient are you? So it only takes 90 seconds to complete, and it'll tell you so much about how you bounce back from those sucky moments, plus give you some tools that you need to help strengthen your bounce factor so that you can not only handle the stress, the overwhelm, and honestly, just about anything that comes your way. So check it out. See how high your bounce factor is at bouncefactorquiz.com. Go ahead there to take my free quiz today, bouncefactorquiz.com. Get your results and the resources that you need to level up. And now let's get back to more juicy goodness in this episode. Wow, how powerful. I mean, I'm just envisioning you during that time and just really allowing yourself to be seen by somebody else in such a vulnerable place. And, you know, even as a, as a man going through a lot of the mental health kind of stigma, right, of especially with Asian men, I remember my grandfather, because he served in World War II in the Philippines, he never showed any, like he was the most stoic man I'd ever met in my life and was extremely strict. I mean, extremely strict. So I know sentiments of like just how he used to discipline my uncle, my mom. And it was a thing. It was like, oh, he's going to go at it with the belt, you know? And it's just a lot of this trauma to the point where you can see that getting passed down to my cousins and my male cousins and even my uncle's because of the way that he was just how he showed up in the world and, you know, very similar kind of like perhaps maybe a PTSD Mm -hmm. from the war, took it out on his kids and just started to pass it generationally down to then my cousins who are also male. And so for you to break this cycle and really reckon with, 
you know, a lot of the stigma that's like, well, men aren't supposed to cry in the Asian culture. Can you speak to that for us? You know, it's one of those things where I notice it a lot more now when I hang out with my friends and we went to college together, like 20 years deep in friendship. And I started talking about EQ stuff and they're just like, you know, they're just nodding their head and they change the subject. They don't want to go there with me. And before I was so helping on talking about it because it was just about passion, you know, it just started coming out. I was so excited about digging into where I, where I came from and, but it would make them uncomfortable. I started noticing it. And I even talked to my therapist about it, but hey, if I invited people into these conversations, how do I do it? And because I'm just talking about it and it feels like they're getting uncomfortable and there is that stigma, you know, and, and it's like what she said, it's passed down, whether we subconsciously just soak it in from, you know, the things that we see on TV or the characters that Hollywood plays and portrays like the older generation, those stories are real for us. But at the same time, also know that this is also real for us too, that we're starting to look inward and start to look at our self-reflection and go, okay, there's something I can do better at. And even talking about ourselves better. Like when I said I was broken, now I talk to myself. When I look at myself, I talk to myself in a very like a positive way. And it's, it shows up differently for me too. And But I have so many examples of when my dad would gaslight. And it's like, I didn't know what gaslighting was back then, but he did it a lot and did it to everyone around him. So it became a part of the way I moved in the world. I had a temper when I was younger, like, but I felt like I was validated, you know, and because I had reasons, I could come up with reasons. And the hardest thing was to look at myself and go, there's got to be a better way. And maybe could I also be wrong here or could also be right in doing something else or saying something else and not just being so hell-bent on being right all the time and seeing it all in one way. A lot of my friends do see it that way too. And I think it's just, we don't have enough examples of it. not just Asian men, but conversations about, you know, how do you show up better and how do you listen? Because we can hear each other, but we're not listening to each other because we're quick to respond. And there's a lot that we need to do. We're just at its infancy, I think, in terms of getting this mental health out there. We have all these memes. We have, you know, little things on IG that we share out. But I think the work that you're doing, the work that sitting here and talking about these things, that's when the true transformation happens because we're in it now. We're dissecting, we're, we're analyzing, we're talking, and we're figuring out, okay, well, let's try this. And if it doesn't work, stumble get back up and try. And none of this happens if we just share a meme or we double click something as a passive way on Instagram, you know, because we see this all day, but we need deeper discussions around this. And we're just beginning right now. Wow. Well, and I, I feel that with your powerful story and, you know, even just coming full circle now to your mom, there's two things that's coming up for me to kind of just witness here for you, but it's almost like the tools that you've worked through have now given you a lot more strength, obviously, to now kind of go into this next chapter of healing parts of that with your mom. And secondly, you know, to kind of close the loop on this conversation of, yes, I mean, it breaks my heart to read these headlines and I don't even read the news, but like the shooting that happened and, and my husband and I, we talked about kind of like during the pandemic, there have been like all of these like mass shootings. Like, why is it a thing in the US? Because he's from India. And he's like, what? what is it? Is it the gun situation? And I really, like, if I had to put my researcher hat on, it's a lot of young males. It's a lot of young males. Like, they're young. And, you know, like you shared your story of being bullied. I can't imagine now in this, you know, generation where we have access to guns in the US and like, you just bring one to school 
and you take your anger out. There has to be another way of really seeing that the males here are just, they're just aching for support. And they're aching for like, imagine if somebody went to that boy and said, I see you, you're not broken. You're not broken. You're not broken. You're not broken. You don't need to take your anger out on whatever. And and who knows what's going on, right? There's so many different variables. But like when you see patterns like this, where it's a lot of young men, and of course, we've been caged in our homes for whatever the past two years. And now we're just starting to kind of see people. And then you kind of witness a lot of the rage and the anger that's even, I've been doing a lot of trips lately in the last month, getting on flights and things like that. And so people kind of have lost their temper more, or they just have that lack of patience. And, you know, to be able to just witness that and see how like people are going through their own stuff, but then also my heart aches because I have a son as well. And like to see, wow, if I'm not going to give him the tools to emotionally regulate to know that I see him and that he's going to be around other people who may not have access to that, like his friends. And so there's this opening for conversation of like, the work is there. And I think you're being such a great, amazing example of how to spark this conversation in community. Like, how have you started? Because I know you're doing, well, tell us your passion project that you're really excited about now and why kindness is, you know, a huge theme for you. But also for those who are listening, who are like, yes, I know that in my groups, I can't even share that because I'll change the subject. What advice do you have for them to even just get it started? Like, do you have to have a couple of beers? Does everybody need to do breath work session or have a little gathering at your house? Like, what are some of the early steps that people can do? And I want us to also get into your new project as well. You know, one thing I wanted to share about that too it's showing up and being consistent. And there's, when I show up with people, it's just not, hey, be kind, be a good person. Um, I started leaning in with every aspect of my life. The things that I was really bad at, buying into like water cooler talk and talking bad about someone or not even stopping it when it started. And the crazy, I had a conversation with my mom or watching the news. I said, you know, it's funny. We wonder why these kids are turning out, getting guns, shooting up a place, being racist, being hateful, not being able to regulate their anger. Like, where are they learning that from? I know who they are. The room is us, the adults. We're teaching these kids how to be this way and how to behave. And we go to work and then we're talking bad about our colleagues and our coworkers. Why? Why can't we show more compassion, you know, and try to understand, well, maybe they're having a bad day. We go directly to, no, your Excel spreadsheet's wrong. You're not showing up. It's like, maybe their mom has cancer like my mom. And maybe it's hard to focus, but in other situations, they're thriving. If we support them, we give them a shoulder to lean on. Why can't we go there? And everything feels like a transaction lately. It's like, what are you going to do for me? Can you show up in the 90-day probation period? If not, bye. Bye forever. Um, I'm going to create a story about you so you're not a good employee. And why is it that adults are constantly doing this? And where we're trying to create this better world for our kids, that we can't even listen. We can't pause. We can't show compassion and empathy for people. And I think that's where you amazing people come in and like really start allowing us to see. And especially like with your podcast as well, it's like you're, you're making this into a layman conversation where we can understand and maybe there's less friction to start and this is where all my trauma from and i think it was my father i I talk about this a lot and and it was my father attempting suicide in front of me and i caught it you know and sometimes i still don't know how to explain it and 
sometimes I still cry about it and it just being where I needed to be. But I knew how bad that I started feeling back to my divorce. It was like this gut punch and I couldn't stop these feelings. It just it manifested into itself. I didn't know what to do with it. But all I knew at that point, it's like I did so much work up until my dad's attempted suicide and then two weeks later, cancer kicked his life. But wow. in that moment, it's like, I knew. He had cancer as well. Yeah. It was just, oh, wow. It was a domino effect of people with cancer in my life. And, oh, and my it gosh. started late 2018 and just went one after another, you know, and it was surreal. It was like a bad dream, you know, and, and I was living in it. You get my dream career job of COO. And then two weeks later, my dad gets there. And a few weeks later, my sister-in-law's breast cancer comes back. So my brother's just devastated. And, um, a few weeks later, my ex-wife and I had a friend that she passed away, saw her take her last breath from ovarian cancer. Mm. And then two months later, my grandma passes away from lung cancer and Alzheimer's. And a month later, my mom gets cancer. And that's when really Oof. shifted me to think there's got to be something else here because I'm lost. Then I leave my job, which was my dream job, and I climbed mm. all the way to the top of the ladder. And then we end off 2019 with a friend of mine getting brain cancer and passing away. So I was like, hey, six people with cancer, this can't be right. Wow. And then COVID happens, of course. And, mm-hmm. you know, the racial slurs start coming out in downtown Los Angeles. And I get called out a few times. And I just wondering, why are we so broken right now? Why is this world? Mm-hmm. Like, why is this? Like, we have bigger problems. Like, uh, my mom fighting for her life and, and seeing my dad try to take his life and then succumbing to cancer. These are pandemics too. Suicide, mm-hmm. depression, these are increasing. So how do we help it? So that's what I was looking for something to heal my heart. Therapy was great, but I need something else. So I started some neat place of the kindness project to heal myself. Mm. And selfishly, I was looking outward to, to talk to people. So let me rem- remind me that there is this world actually not too bad, um, mm. that beyond the news articles and the headlines, that there's compassionate people that really give a shit about each other. Mm. And they're showing up every single day. And mm. that's what started. And then just started telling stories. But then now it's taking a life in its own. It's given me access to spaces that I never was able to play in. Like talking to you as an example, right? And wonderful people doing amazing and incredible things. And I really believe that kindness can solve a lot of these challenges that we see, racism included. Ooh, wow. Some neat place. Wow. What what else can we be expecting from some neat place? I love the name. <laughs> Thank you. It's just like me being a kid again, you know, if we we're curious about the world so many places where I see it, you know, and the next few things is now I want to create really good content, not just to get likes, not because I'm chasing people with 15 million followers on TikTok. I want to chase the stories that can really bridge our communities together, you know, and, and really people doing the work, the compassionate people that are, aren't just doing this for clout, you know, they're doing it to make this world a little bit better each day. Wow. I commend you because just, you know, being in a dark place, you want to be able to get out. And how brave for you to be able to create a mission so that you're spreading kindness everywhere. So beautiful. So beautiful. So as we close up, because I know our time is so short, what does it mean to be brave? That's a great question. I think to be yourself, unapologetically yourself, when the world is constantly trying to tell you who you should be, how you should dress, who your friend should be, or you have a kindness company, but you should be perfect. Uh, I'm not, you know, and I, I'm sometimes I have really bad days, but that this is my truth. This is my life. I will live it the way I want to. And I really believe if we can show up for our, ourselves first and be very authentic and sincere of who we are, stepping into our footprint of where, you know, I'm not the most religious, but I feel like God put me on this world to do something. Um, and this is my, this is my calling. And 
And not everyone's going to agree with me. And the people that I want to love me and adore me because I had all these identity issues, um, just to be okay with that and to love yourself enough to go, this is just a part of my life, this is a part of my journey. I'm going to be okay. And I think that facing life of having all these identity issues on all this trauma that I had, people will love me. People will be a part of my life. And I'm starting to love myself each and every day. And there's going to be those bad days. And just being brave enough to face yourself and go out in this world that could be really harsh, but knowing that there is people out there, there are people out there that want to make this world a better place and to find your tribe and just go look for that and um, to stay brave and persistent that you're going to get there. Slowly but surely you'll get there and stay brave, you know, and I think that's what brave, being brave means to me. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Seriously. Wow, Mike. Ooh, so many Mike drop moments. Thank you so much. Oh, what a, what a delicious and so needed conversation and so, so inspiring. Wow, we will link everything in the show notes. Mike Kim, what an honor. Until next time on The Brave Table. All right, Brave Table fam. What another powerful episode with Mike Kim. I mean, what a gem of a human. Now, if you feel strongly and you want to connect with Mike Kim, go ahead and check him out at Some Neat Place. You can find more about events and what's happening if you're in Austin or the Southern California area and you want to check out events in person at Some Neat Place. That is on Instagram or someneatplace.com. That is some neat, N-E-A-T, place.com. And if you you are inspired to go on your own healing journey and visit things from the past. You can definitely listen to this episode with the Marine Selene healing your inner child. That was a goodie and family relationship dynamics, knowing it didn't start with you. Or if you wanted to dive into the journey of loss, our powerful episode with the amazing Daniela Warner, navigating divorce, grief, loss, and motherhood. Ooh, that was a big one. And that is also listed in the show notes. Now, if you have been inspired to take action in some way and you want to support the growth of the podcast, if you want to support the growth of The Brave Table, I would love, love, love and appreciate you to submit your five-star reviews. Your reviews keep us going and let us know that we are on the right track and helping you become more brave in your lives every single day. You can go ahead and do that wherever you listen to your podcasts and submit a five-star screenshot of your review when you're done. Go ahead and send it to us at support at global grit.co that is support at globalgrit.co and finally if you haven't taken your bounce factor quiz what are you waiting for in 90 seconds you will find out how resilient are you and what is your resilient archetype do you need a little bit more strength when times get tough well i've got all the resources and more for you check it out get your free assessment at bouncefactorquiz.com that's b-o-u-n-c-e factorquiz.com and i will see you everyone next time.